Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered, the podcast that examines and explains the inner workings of the insurance industry. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner of the law firm RPC, and in each episode, I will discuss an aspect of the insurance market with a leading individual from the insurance world. And this week, we have Lee Elliston with us, uh, and our topic will be the Lloyd's Market Association, uh, known as the LMA. Lee is the uh, claims director at the LMA, and avid listeners will know that Lee was the guest on our first ever podcast. Uh, On that occasion, we talked about the future of Lloyd's Blueprint, uh, the document that sets out a step-by-step plan for the transformation and modernization of Lloyd's. Uh, In this episode, we're going to get an update from Lee on how that is going, but we're also going to do that in the wider context of a discussion about the LMA. Uh, So Lee, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks very much, Peter. Before we start, I just wanted to say uh, many, many thanks to you for being the the guinea pig for our first podcast. None of us had done a podcast before, so we were kind of making it up as we were going along, to be frank. Um, So thank you for bearing with us and for being such a wonderful guest and and for coming back for more, basically. When you were here last time, uh, you explained how you ended up in insurance, and um, I, I don't need to go kind of over that again, but... Uh, in, in passing, you briefly mentioned that you had looked into firefighting, and I, I wondered whether you wanted to expand on that and explain how on earth uh, kind of insurance won out over the, the, the glamour of firefighting. Um, absolutely happy to, Peter, and I'm um, more than happy to support um, the podcast um, again, and, and happy to be to be your um, guinea pig initially. Um, I, I certainly got stopped out stopped <laughs> outside the Lloyd's building shortly afterwards, and somebody said to me, um, "I was listening to you in the bath last night," um, which was Slightly too much, too much information, but um, it was good to know that people in the market um, were listening and, and were engaged in the podcast and the work that you were doing. So keep it up. Thank you very much indeed. Um, with, with regard to, um, to, to to the question, I've certainly um, likened the role of a firefighter to to, to the role that, that I've held in the market um, prior to the LMA when I was working at brokers and managing agencies, um, and since I've been at the LMA, you feel like you're firefighting uh, a lot. Um, with regards to service policyholders and clients and providing internal services to to underwriters and senior um, reporting within agencies. Um, so you do feel like you're firefighting as a claims professional. The, the reason I kind of en- ended up there was because when I failed to pass one of the strict um, tests to, to, to get into the uh, fire service, I needed a job um, and I needed some money. And um, and the job that came available at the time where I was based in Suffolk was um, working for Willis. Um, and Willis had a huge operation in Ipswich. Um, so I took up a claims technician role um, there in 1999 and um, ended up working on Asia Pac, Middle Eastern claims, insurance and reinsurance, and learned a huge amount in a very short space of time. And the rest is history. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and you're obviously now at the, the LMA, um, the, the Lloyd's Market Association, for those who don't know what those initials mean. But please could you explain what, what the LMA actually is, uh, what, what its purpose is and, and how it sets about achieving that purpose? Really good question, Peter, and, and, and a timely one as well, um, because we, we've been doing a lot of internal work, certainly um, back end of last year and this year, around our, our values and value proposition as an organisation. People do do think that we're a subsidiary of Lloyd's and the corporation, and we're not. We work closely with Lloyd's and the corporation. That's a key part of our role. Um, but we're a representative body of, of all the managing and member agents at Lloyd's. And, and our real purpose is to enable the success of our members in the market. And that's something that we, we at the LMA feel very passionately about. Our relatively um, newish CEO, um, Sheila Cameron, 
that many people in the market will, will know, has put a lot of emphasis on us understanding who we are, what we do and why we do it and establishing ourselves as leaders who can support and influence the marketplace in the right way. And I think that's something that the market will see and experience a lot more of as um, as the LMA continues it charging in, in evolving and changing to be different, and modern and relevant to our members. We're going to come on to kind of the future of the LMA in the moment. But just a very simple question. How long have you been there and how would you define your role there? I've been at the LMA seven years now. So when you look at the leadership team at the LMA that I'm a part of, I'm, I'm an old piece of furniture, if you like. And that's good and bad um, because I can, can help the transition of um, the new leadership team and, and, and what we're looking to do. Um, and, and we've got a great team there now that has got many different skill sets that can all come together and complement each other really well. M- my role there is focused on claims and, and delegated business. So I'm focused on how we can support um, the claims offering um, in the market, how we can um, enhance how we deliver service to clients um, and customers that are part of our value chain and also look at what we can do around delegated um, business. So specifically binder business, how we interact and support and work with brokers, cover holders and TPAs and how we support the market in looking to evolve what I would say has been quite a traditional approach to servicing claims or um, sourcing and servicing delegated business. Okay, and you're obviously at the coalface of insurance with, with Willis and, and elsewhere for, for a large number of years. What, what was it that tempted you away from, from that side of it on, into a representative body? So I was, I was working at Catlin at the time before um, the, the numerous mergers have taken place. And I was involved in change and opportunities to enhance our offering internally from a claims and operations perspective. And my my last kind of hurrah, if you like, at Catlin was to look at an, an in-source claim servicing model, and um, and it was it was part of that um, that project internally that I started to feel like this change could be implemented um, centrally. Centrally, you can you can become laser focused on those issues, um, and you can build consensus with the market around the problems that may exist in in claims, for example and look to get everybody behind you know, a real common purpose or reason to change, whether that be changing, you know, making changes to the claims scheme, whether it be making changes to how we agree claims when you look at single claims agreement, and also look at how we can utilise technology to remove the touch points in the process, take advantage of automation. And a lot of those things are needed. Um, they're changes that need to be pushed and evolved. Um, and doing it centrally is very rewarding and um, is something that you can look back on when I've retired in about 40 years' time probably and, <laughs> and say um, you're a part of, of, of making the market a better place. You've talked a lot about, um, a lot about change already at the LMA. I mean, what, what change have you seen in the seven years that you've been there? So we've, um, we've gone through a bit, a bit of whirlwind of change, to be honest, Pete. So in, so in the last 18 months to two years with, with Sheila Cameron coming on board as our CEO, um, there's, there's been a lot of focus on our purpose um, and who we are, what we do and why we do it. Um, making sure that we've got the necessary skill set and expertise within the LMA to support our members um, and facilitate the right areas of focus that are going to enhance their own businesses, so their own managing agencies and syndicates. And um, around that, we've obviously built our value proposition and our values. That's required a lot of um, internal change. We've restructured um, in certain areas. Um, to ensure that we've got a real connection and collaboration across 
all the different disciplines of insurance so that we are offering more, I would say, more effective advice to the market because we're all tuned in and we're not in silos as we may have been previously. And, um, and, and then we've, we've, we've gone through some technological um, change as well. So, so there's been, been a lot of good internal and external change and I certainly believe that that's been seen and felt by the market and, and hopefully they continue to uh, to feel that positive movement that the LMA has made. And, and how do you anticipate that change will continue over the next few years? And presumably that's tied in with, with the blueprint as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are very involved in supporting our members around part seven and that transition at the moment. Uh, future at Lloyd and how they're bringing the blueprint to life um, and also what underwriting discipline looks like um, you know, going forward, um, what, what future models look like. So lead follow has been a model that's been, that's been put out there and, and, and discussed and debated with the market um, um, this year. So, so all of those things, I, I think the LMA are now more set up to, to be laser focused on the market's priorities and to um, be, being able to facilitate the work that's required around it, influence the, the right outcome for our members and make sure that things move at quite a pace. Um, whereas I think historically the market has experienced that, that, that we all move, we all move slightly slower in action than we do in talk around what needs to be done. And I, I think across the marketplace, um, post COVID, that will, um, that will balance itself out a lot more. Yeah. No, I mean, we're going to come on to COVID in a moment because that is, uh, you know, that, that is one of the great before and after events of our lives, isn't it? But um, before we do that, I just want to get an update from you on, on precisely where you're at with uh, with the Blueprint. And just to remind uh, listeners that the, that the Blueprint is, is a 145-page document that talks about changes uh, that need to be made to both the underwriting and the claims um, side of Lloyd's. Um, and as I said in our very first podcast, it is, it is an unexpectedly good read very clearly set out, very inspirational in what it says. So I, before we talk about the update, what role did the LMA have in the creation of that, of that document and in the ideas behind the document? So across the LMA, Peter, we've collaborated with, with both Lloyds and our members um, to influence what the, um, what, what the key areas of change that are required are within, um, within the blueprint that was socialised. Um, and, and both pre- and post-blueprint, um, the LMA plays a key role in influencing the, you know, the, the boundaries that we can push as part of future at Lloyd's, um, whether that be from a, a capital perspective, from a, um, from a kind of underwriting perspective, or, or whether it's claims or operations. We are, we are ensuring that the market's voice is heard. So we are, we are focusing on areas that are going to enhance the marketplace, enhance how we, provide a service offering to our value chain, our clients and our customers. And, w- and when you think back pre-Blueprint, um, the LMA Claims Committee that, um, that I support um, had spent a few months determining what the kind of strategy and objectives were for claims and, and defining a claims operating model um, of the future. And, and, and a lot of that work was influential in, in what turned out to be the claims blueprint. Um, we're now trying to do the same in, in, in delegated. So I have um, responsibility for um, for all things delegated um, at, at the LMA, and we're now we've now put together a new committee, which is the delegated authority committee, and um, that's going to work at the same level as our operations committee and our our claims committee, reporting into the LMA board and start to set the strategy and um, vision and objectives for how we can disrupt the delegated business model and work very closely with Lloyd's cover holders, TPAs and brokers in determining what that future should look like as well. And we'll obviously start to influence what can be achieved in the blueprint as part of that. 
And, and do you have an idea as to what the future might look like for, for delegated authority? I'll jump straight to the um, to the elephant in the room um, on that one, Peter, which which, which <laughs> is probably um, this kind of disintermediated model. And I don't personally like the, the word disintermediation, um, but I need to put my thinking cap on and come up with something that's appealing and sexy for people um, <laughs> and, and, and won't turn people off. But I think understanding where the value is in that, that value chain from, from domestic broker um, through to cover holder to UK broker and, and, and a carrier here, um, and understanding how everybody can um, can share equal parts of the pie and get remunerated in the right way, but but not necessarily hold up um, how we source business, service business, or support business. But I think if the cover holders, brokers, and carriers come together to collaborate on this, we can come up with a model that that works for everybody and is much more effective and beneficial for our customers. No, that'd be great. And, and you're absolutely right, Lee. You're going to have to come up with a better word: the disintermediation. That is a that is a mouthful. <laughs> is there anything else in terms of the blueprint? Is there anything else where you want to kind of give us an update? Um, obviously, when we when we spoke, it was kind of pre-COVID, and and therefore there was a, a, a nice neat timetable kind of which which was going to be put into practice. Uh, COVID has disrupted that, um, and I'm just interested to see to what extent has the timetable been. Uh, disrupted by by COVID, and how much are you still intending to do and are able to do during this COVID period? I think the best description of it for me, Peter, is is that um, future at Lloyd's had to put the handbrake half on, and due to the impact of of COVID on the market with regard to claims, um, that allowed us to just refocus on 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 what was good for for a kind of COVID um, claims response that could also be here to stay. So. The co-lead claims agreement was implemented very early on, which was an agreement to streamline the binder co-lead claims processing arrangement. So you need one single leader on a co-lead co-lead um, binder. Um, we we worked with Lloyd's to enhance the um, thresholds of the claim scheme. So it, it was removing touch points um, on more claims and again promoting that that lead agreement facility. So that so there were two areas we looked at. Yeah. With regards to ongoing priorities, I, I would say that the three for claims have really been um, data. So, so establishing um, how data is so important as part of the value chain with the parties that it comes through, um, how it can be utilised to most effects within claims to service customers and policyholders. So, um, so good good quality data means better claims decisions, quicker claims decisions, use of automation, use of um, artificial intelligence. Um, and also better interaction with our customers because the more data um, and interaction we can have with our customers and brokers, the more insight they get into what we need to make the decisions that will allow their, their businesses or personal lives to recover much quicker. So data is one area. Um, technology and harnessing the power of data within messaging and building this kind of hub and spoke model for claims so we're not all reliant on one single portal or one single platform. And then obviously looking at payment, how we can accelerate payment and almost deliver a, a kind of PayPal for claims mechanism to um, support some class of business and some policyholders and how quickly we make claims payments. And in terms of COVID-19, presumably that has, has speeded up. I may well have put the handbrake half on for, for some aspects, but presumably it's, it has speeded up other processes Presumably, the market as a whole has sort of moved to digitization much quicker than it might otherwise have done. I've certainly seen the market um, adapt really successfully, Peter. I think the market gives itself a hard time sometimes, 
about uh, what we don't do well and, and the fact that we're not changing or adapting quickly enough. I think you've seen COVID-19 impact everybody globally um, in, in all sorts of ways, um, but we've been able to effectively, efficiently and seamlessly continue to operate. And that's testament to, to the market and, and PPL has, has made uh, placing happen ele- electronically. Um, ECS has enabled claims to be serviced electronically. And um, a lot of the internal technologies that have been delivered and, and used, Teams, Zoom, whatever they may be, um, have enabled businesses to function um, in a very seamless way. So I think people have, have understood that change doesn't hurt. I think they've understood that technology isn't as um, hard to work out as, as, as some may think. And I think the ad- adaptation and adoption to change will be accelerated post-COVID-19, which I think will be good for everybody. Absolutely. I mean, when we when you did the first podcast, I asked you the question, I said, Lloyd's has been around for 200 years. Do you think it's going to be around for another 200 years? And, and you predicted that the Lloyd's would become a digital marketplace and that people wouldn't be in the room. Um, and I, I bet you didn't anticipate that was going to be within the next handful of months that we're going to get to that stage. No, I, I, I certainly didn't, Peter, no. <laughs> um, people. I want to talk about people and how uh, COVID-19 and how the, the blueprint is going to affect the, the people within the market um, and the skill sets that people need. And I know that that's something which is very, very close to your heart as well. What sort of skills do you think claims handlers in the future will need? We touched on data um, specifically with regard to the blueprint. Um, and I, I think a, a number of people are starting to realize the power that data can have so when it's standardized and structured in a certain way and, and can be used effectively with the right technology. And I, I feel like um, that's going to be so important to claims professionals going forward. I think there'll be less documents and more data um, as, as we move into a new world. Um, and you'll need to be able to analyze that data to pick out you know, key trends and themes and report on those trends um, internally to underwriters and also make good decisions um, around claims and service your customers. So I, I think analytical skills in that sense, um, I think that the market is obviously entwined with quite a long value chain at times. And I think stakeholder management and supply chain management are skills that, um, that we're going to need to see more of in claims. I also think how we service customers so, so we're so far away from customers at the moment and policyholders. I don't think we're quite tuned in to how we need to be empathetic um, and understand the range of skills um, regard, regarding emotional intelligence um, and decisions that we need to make around claims. Um, and I think if we can start to put ourselves in the customer's shoes a lot more, that will teach us what we need to do a bit more of in a, in a, in a daily claims role. So I think some customer service and experience type skills um, are going to be key as well. So I, I would say they're my top three. Okay. And and, uh, and what role do you think training is going to play in all of this? And, and, and how do you think training is going to be done in the future? It's going to need to be um, very flexible. Um, so training up to now has been has been fairly traditional, uh, face-to-face much of the time, and over-the-shoulder training within, within organisations. One thing I'm sure of, we can't use that over-the-shoulder training because it's so important for people to be constantly learning and evolving on the job. So how we replicate that in a digital world, we obviously need to use technology and we need to invest some time into coming up with um, these over-the-shoulder scenarios that can be developed into kind of 30-minute bite-sized learning opportunities and be rolled out in that way. And I think learning pathways 
have to be very flexible. I think they can be digital, but they have to be flexible for individuals. And then individuals need to tap into where they are in their career, where they think their skill gaps may be, um, and then how they can access digital learning opportunities to, um, to support them. But we're certainly looking at the LMA, our academy strategy, and how digital learning is going to need to be provided to the market um, much more than it was before. Yeah, I think that is definitely a thing for the future, both in your in the children's world, but also in the legal world as well. Where um, we're going to have to work out new ways of doing it. And I think your point about the over-the-shoulder training is absolutely crucial. I mean, one learns the vast majority of one's job by watching those around us. And if if we're no longer really able to do that because we're each in our separate rooms, or we, you know, there are fewer people in the office at any one given time, then then training is going to have to be kind of reworked out from scratch really but it, it is such an important thing because as with any industry as with any any profession it's, it's the people that make it absolutely and, and those newer professionals that are coming into it or younger professionals are used to educating themselves on a very regular basis and those individuals and professionals that are in that bracket will be yearning for answers around how they continue to be supported so we can't ignore those people what we've done at the lma is we've um, accessed our young professionals of our members and we've brought them in the tent to help us design what the um, future learning opportunities should be and how they should be delivered. So we want them part of designing what it looks like. Yeah, no, that sounds absolutely brilliant. I think that is definitely the way for the future. And the, finally, Lee, um, you're talking about young people coming into the insurance world. I mean, what advice would you give someone entering the market now? My advice really would be to be innovative, um, be bold, and use your passion to come into this industry to help enhance it and be part of it. I certainly grew up in an era where I believe people were coming into the market 20 to 25 years ago and were just happy to be one-trick ponies in a certain role that they were brought in to do, um, whether it be on the broken side or on the syndicate side. And I think people need to come in and be much more adaptable and flexible. And I think a lot of the younger professionals that I meet actually are, but they just need to have you know, the passion, the confidence and the bravery to come to the fore and be heard and be supported in the right way. Brilliant. Lee, that, is, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for coming back for a second podcast. And I'm sure we'll have you on for a third one at some point in the future. Many thanks. No problem, Peter. I'll be glad to uh, complete the hat trick at some point soon. Thank you for listening to Insurance Covered. Insurance Covered is an RPC production recorded and edited by Mary Mitchell. We couldn't do this without Joe Burgess, Sean Alberts and, of course, our guests. Thanks to them. If you want to be a guest or have any feedback for us, please contact us on podcast at rpc.co.uk. Finally, please rate, share and review it. And please subscribe so that you can ensure receiving future episodes. Thank you.